welcome to Grad School Confessionals Sunday service. This is kind of our first foray into live streaming and it's a little bit different than the normal podcasts that we do. So normally we have, you know, a collection of stories or confessions that we can um, kind of just talk about and then we relate those to, you know, our own experiences and whatnot. But, you know, being in the ivory tower of academia for as long as we have, you know, I think that we have some kind of pretty hot takes maybe <laughs> on uh, I feel like they're very generic takes <laughs> but very strongly articulated yeah 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 um so yeah so today's one uh Sunday service is going to be on open access and I remember the reason we had picked this one because originally we were going to do something different but the reason we sorry you remember like it was yesterday because it was actually yesterday it was like two days ago that nature Neuroscience yeah. uh, tweeted or updated their webpage to include their 2022 pricing for open access, yeah. which was, <laughs> drum roll. Oh, yeah. It was basically they were saying to publish in Nature, any of its sister journals, you needed to pay $10,000 US. Like, it was was it 11 US? Well, it's like, I think it was like 10.3K. I don't know. Okay. I'm a qualitative researcher. I'll... I'll, uh, I'll round up. Yeah, yeah. So, anyways, it was pretty ridiculous. Um, and I think one of the one of the things that just struck me is like, why does it cost so much to literally put eight pages of just text and like a figure or two onto the internet? You know, because let's be real, like that's that's mainly where it's going. Like, there's obviously still some print medium, but as far as what open access is supposed to be about, the spirit of it, it's just going online. And it's interesting, and this is what gets me. It's not like you're like it's not like you're paying the ten thousand dollars in a purely like exchange kind of way where you're like, I'll give you ten thousand dollars if you publish me. It's just like, no, you just got into one of the most prestigious journals out there, and your research is high enough quality to be published in this journal. Yeah. And you're like, I made it. And they're like, not until you pay us $10,000. You're already in. Yeah. Like, you're in. But now you have to give us money. Yeah. And it's kind of ridiculous, right? Because it's it's like winning the Olympics, getting the gold medal of just your field and being like, congratulations. congratulations. Yeah. So if you want the gold medal, though, um, you're going to have to pay $10,000. Yeah. And if you don't pay us, then uh, not we're not going to write your name as the winner of the Olympics. <laughs> I don't know. Sports are hard, man. Is there a single winner? There should be a single winner of all the Olympics. You're like, you were so athletic. You basically overshadow everybody else. I mean, that's kind of like decathlon in a way, isn't it? it- I, su- I suppose. I mean, it's like if you took Michael Phelps against like a judoka. Yeah. It'll work. Like, just like keep them at arm's length. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, no, it's it's just kind of ridiculous. Okay. So. I was doing a bit of research before this, and I was oh, like, no. I wonder if other journals, like if there's other journals that charge as ridiculous a price as $10,000, right? And what I came across is, uh, in short, not really. Nature, <laughs> <laughs> but I guess it's kind of just like, there's no other like nature journal, right? It's just like, you publish nature. Except all the nature sister journals. Okay, that and, <laughs> that and the nature sister journals. But one of the things... Um, that I was going to say is if you look at journals like BMJ and JAMA and Lancet, they still charge, like these are good, credible journals, right? Sure. If you get into those journals, you actually don't have to pay. Like if you, if you, if you just get into BMJ, they'll just, they'll just publish it. Right. But then each of these journals. <laughs> Counterpoint. Okay. Versus how would they charge you? It's like for applying. <laughs> No, no, no. I mean, actually, some some papers, some journals actually do have. Yes. Oh, oh, I have a great idea. I feel like if you submit to like BMJ or The Lancet or yeah. something and your paper is like really not supposed to go to BMJ or Lancet, you should be charged for wasting everybody's <laughs> time. <laughs> it's like the office. It's, it's, like, like, it's a peer review fee. It's yeah, a peer yeah, review fee. Like, your paper was so bad. You owe us $2,000. <laughs> I would think that would actively discourage a lot of people from applying. Good. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, but the thing I was gonna say is, um, you you have these big journals, BMJ, you know, JAMA, whatever, and you can just apply to them, and then when they if they accept your article, they just publish it, right? Yeah. 
But then if you look at all of these journals, they also have a sister journal that's whatever this name is, open, right? So it's like BMJ open or like plus one, not okay. plus one, sorry, but like JAMA and, network and open. This is how we know that uh, Dr. Sway over here is a way better researcher than I am because I didn't know this. This is news <laughs> to me. Yeah. And like and all these sister journals, like the whole point of them is so that like it, it feels very much like the entire point of these other journals is just to make money. Because okay. here's the thing, though, right? Because if it wasn't, then there's no reason all these other journals wouldn't just be free as well. That you would just, you know, have people who are interested in the journal pay a subscription fee and, you know, go into it. Right. But no, it's it's it feels like such a money grab. Like, what do you need five thousand dollars for for like for me <laughs> to wanted, put this piece of paper in? I, I want an invoice. Like, I want an invoice after my paper gets accepted. I want you to give me a piece of paper. That says um, we paid, you know, the typesetter this much money. <laughs> we paid the editor this much money. Um, and this is where your money's going. But you know my conspiracy theory, right? About open access. What? So, so oh, yeah. Okay. Theory. Okay. And I don't know. I don't know if anyone has the free time or the resources to analyze this somehow. But I have a hunch that if you're on those portals where you can indicate how you would like to publish. And a lot of the times when you submit a paper, you're like, are we going to try to put this in the general stream or like, you know, the open access stream? Right. I feel like if you put down open access stream, you have a slightly easier time. Like, like it still goes through peer review, but fundamentally the editorial decision is just like, yeah, let's publish this. Okay, because you get three thousand dollars. You don't indicate that you want open access until after it gets accepted. No, you do. You don't. No, you do. don't. Yes. Okay. You don't though. Okay, I've never person, submitted to a journal where it's like, okay, hey, do you want to publish open access right up the front? Person who has just submitted a bunch of papers that you are on, you do very much for some journals. I know when I was submitting to BMJ, I had to put down if this paper gets accepted, are you Oh, you mean Lancet? It was Lancet, but also for BMJ. They're like, are you willing to pay yeah. this much money? They're basically like, I wouldn't say contractually um, holding you responsible, yeah. but they are totally asking you up front. Right, right. They do I, have that screening question. And I feel like it's used to screen out the poor <laughs> researchers from like the people who have funding. See, that's the roundabout way of getting at it. It's like, please declare if you have any funding for this project. You know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, Conflict I don't know. I trust my ass. <laughs> I just want to know if, if I've got bank. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Do you feel like there's actually any good way of doing open access? No, no. It's it's like having private and public healthcare. It just, it doesn't work. Okay, but there's open access journals that are I mean, there's, platinum open access. I mean, okay. So you'll pay for, to put them in. I mean, platinum open access is like that unicorn where you're like, yeah, technically it exists, but I've never seen it in my field. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's a good question. It just feels like such a cash grab. I mean, it is. Okay, it is because, okay. Like academic publishing is hugely profitable. No, yes, but also it's it makes me so mad because these publishers were already making bank off of universities, yeah. right? They were. You know, our university pays, I would say, probably. It's millions of dollars. It's probably millions of yeah, dollars yeah, yeah. No. to have access to these databases. Okay, cool. So they were already making money. They weren't like poor and then now they're making money off of us as individuals. Yeah. You're like, if you that's can hear right, that, Benji. that's our dog screaming in the background. But now they're making money off of us as individuals. And it's like, no, I'm fine with capitalism. When you're starting to try and double dip, that's where I draw the line. Like, I understand that you're allowed to make money from providing a service. Yeah. But like, this is the worst way of trying trickle down economics working <laughs> like i mean yeah it promotes this it promotes this kind of like rich get richer sort of yeah. academic publishing sphere right so basically you know you get a grant and you get money in that grant to publish your article open access and then because you do 
more people get to read it. And if more people read it, you get cited more ostensibly. And then you yeah. get more funding potentially because now you have more citations and you're more credit researcher. And so I think what it's also bred to is not only a system that's very much based in like financial inequity among researchers, but also one where you have people in the business who are now trying to take advantage of that, right? Like you have these predatory journals that do the same thing. It's kind of like open access is just considered, it's like this buzzword now, right? Where it's like, you want to get your research out there, you want open access. And open access always costs money, you know? Yeah, which two things wrong with it. First of all, um, who's reading these papers? Like, it's the other 20 people in your field, and they're probably doing research out of a university that already has a subscription to that database. Yeah, yeah. So, like, who are you paying open access for? And second, holy, is it ever expensive. Like, yeah. say you run a project and you have three papers come out of it. You're probably going to be paying close to $15,000 yeah. just for open access fees. For the record... That's like twice as much as the master's students in our university make. Mm -hmm. That's that's two lives that get sustained <laughs> for a year. That's how they should measure. They should just be like, it's how many master's students? How many master's students do you want to pay or like to lose to get this published? You know? Yeah, but then it, it also leads to so many other problems because instead of hiring more RAs, instead of getting a master's student on board. You're basically trying to wring dry the people that you already spend money on mm -hmm. and you're allocating the rest of the resources to open access again to a thing that like technically doesn't exist because you could just take a paper and you could like yeah. publish a registered report or you could. Yeah, there, there's just so many ways. Yeah. And like because I think one of the one of the main arguments for open access is like, well, it still has to undergo peer review, right? You can't just like put stuff on the internet and be like this is science and like you totally can't you totally People can't do it but all like time. you know you shouldn't. there's there's this thing that we call rigor right and like there's oh, be some element of rigor and so you put you know your your paper through a journal and it gets peer reviewed and people are like yes this is worth publishing and then it gets published right and open access is like okay but now we get it everywhere but then you're totally right like there's now these preprint servers that you just put your paper up onto and you, other people can read it and they can comment on it and they can be like, you should change this or you should do this. And honestly, mm -hmm. okay, I got to say that is a way better way of doing it. Because, mm -hmm. for example, right, like a lot of journals now ask for you to suggest your own reviewers, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And that's all fine and dandy, but I'm not going to suggest a reviewer that's going <laughs> to potentially review me negatively. Like yeah. I'm not going to put my arch nemesis down. Yeah. So I'm putting down people who, for the most part, will look favorably on my work. Yeah. But if you put it out on the internet, oh, will people give you their honest opinions? Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. There should be like, you know, <laughs> there should basically be like a YouTube thing for research papers or like, you know, like just a place where you like put something up and then people just comment on it. And they're I just like, I believe you're thinking of Reddit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But just like with thing, people with degrees. Yeah, but just like a thing like that where... Essentially, people are just like commenting on your paper and being like this and that and whatever. And like, so there there was a paper that I saw on. Uh, was it preprints? You know how there's different universities will have there was the Harvard Medical Database or something. Yeah, I think that's what it's called. The Harvard Medical Database or something. <laughs> something. <laughs> the official name. <laughs> But anyway, there was a preprint that went up yeah. of a study that was done about COVID-19 infection rates yeah. in vaccinated and non-vaccinated individuals. And the conclusion, the sweeping conclusion of the paper was that natural immunity is better than vaccine immunity. Yeah. And boy, did people tear up the methodology of that study. Yeah. In yeah. The actually, oh, I think it was a preprint, actually. Yeah. yeah. I remember you showing me that. Yeah, it was a preprint. And so the danger of that is that even though people were tearing apart, it got picked up by the media. And that's how I came across it. Yeah. The Guardian or something was like, hey, yeah. did you hear about the study? But people were very transparent in their opinions in the comments section. Yeah. And it was good and solid critique about the methodology, about the interpretation of the results, about mm -hmm. the statistical analyses that were run. 
And so like it was getting peer review, except it wasn't done in like this gated way where we Mm -hmm. hold it back until we deem it acceptable and then it gets released into the world. Yeah. And I don't I think, too, it's more than just like holding it back and being like, oh, well, when we deem it ready or this is acceptable, I think it also engenders such a bias because think about this, right? You've got these journals. These publishers that specifically do only open access, things like Frontiers, things like Plus One, things like BMC, right? And you're basically, no matter what, you have to pay to get published in them, even Jamir, right? And so if you. I'm sorry. Jamir? <laughs> Jamir. <laughs> and so if you're a public, if you're someone working at this journal, right? It is in your best interest to publish as many articles as you can. Right. And it's like, do you want it to clear a conflict of interest as a person submitting to the journal? I'm like, do you? Do you you want to clear a conflict of interest? It's like... Right, because then then what you're doing is you're basically getting soft peer review, right? You're getting editors that are like, hey, like you, maybe there's some kickback in the more articles that you let through, right? Or, and, And I know that there's this new publisher, I say new, relatively new, like last four or five years, um, called MDPI. Never heard of it. They they have a bunch of like <laughs> subsidiary things anyway. Okay. But basically w- one of the practices that they've done, they're like one of these like pseudo predatory journals because they My have. Favorite. <laughs> yeah, right. They, what they did is they got a lot of relatively renowned researchers in certain fields. Yeah. And they invited them to submit articles and they invited them to submit articles and there was no APC for them. No article processing charge. Right? Yeah. And then what that does is it builds a bit of the credibility for that journal because, look, these people who are renowned are publishing in it, right? And these yeah. people who are well-known in their field. And then then when you have regular people just publishing in it, and, like, I've read some of the papers that get published in, like, these journals. Number one, the scope of these journals is so broad. I think the one that, like, covers my field is called International Journal of Environmental Health and – no, Environmental Research and Public Health. And that that's literally everything. <laughs> literally anything. Did you do your research on Earth? That's an environment. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Volcanism? And, Come on in. So so again, like it covers pretty much everything, right? And so you know that no one's going to subscribe to this journal and pay for it because like as a scientist, if you're gonna subscribe to something, it's gonna be something really, really relevant to you, right? Or something that's very like But nobody cool. nobody subscribes to individual journals. I think you'd be surprised. I think so. For example, for example, I think for the most part you're right. But there's New England Journal of Medicine, right? Okay. That's got like an okay. Also, I looked this up the other literally this morning. The New England Journal of Medicine has a citation score of like 91. Ugh. In fact, factor of 91. Ugh. It's unreal. Ugh. But, <laughs> but anyway, anyway, um, they actually have quite a few. Uh, like they get a lot of their revenue from being uh, subscribed to medical students and, and doctors, right? And people in healthcare. Because it's like any research they publish typically is really relevant for clinicians and physicians. I suppose. It also bothers me that clinicians and physicians have to like pay out of pocket to subscribe for these things. Like <laughs> you want to do a better you want to do a better job? Well, you're gonna have to pay for it. Yeah. As a patient, you should be like, have you read this latest article in the New England Journal of Medicine? Like, like, I can afford it. <laughs> but that's why the magazines are in the waiting room, right? So it's just like, oh, yeah, we read these. <laughs> okay, but it's like Reader's Shadowing Digest. Canada. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like Reader's Digest. Yeah. Like, please. <laughs> Where do you get your medical knowledge from? Reader's Digest, obviously. Or Reader's Doctor Digest. Dr. Oz. He's a doctor. Uh, in the loosest sense of the word. But no, I've seen weird crap being published in PLOS One. Mm-hmm, and that's yeah. not a predatory journal. Also, I love the um, term. I don't know. I would argue that like. It depends on how you define predatory. To me, anything that like purely runs on open access and charges you fees to publish in it, to an extent, is predatory. It's just like there's just that conflict of interest we talked about, right? Well, that's great. Because then now, also, I love the term pseudo predatory. It's like, is this animal prey <laughs> or predator? They're like, well, there's depends. Pseudo predator <laughs> depends how they're feeling that day. Yeah. Um. No, but. Then, you know, you're expanding this criteria of like what is considered predatory. And it's like, we want you to publish open access, but also make sure that it's only in these specific journals. Mm -hmm. But they also technically have a conflict of interest because they generate ginormous amount of revenue from open access. 
So everyone's kind of screwed. Yeah. And you know what? I think, too, if there was, I think you can solve this to an extent. Okay. You just have to pay reviewers. Like, I think if you add an element in here where, like, reviewers are incentivized to provide a good review, you know, and editors are incentivized to provide a good, you know, edit or, or I guess, decision, mm-hmm. regardless of whether the paper gets in or not, like, that's really going to help, right? Because if you just have these these reviewers who are, like, you know, doing favors for – it's basically just doing a favor. I love how we call it service. It's just like, yo, can you, as a journal, can you do me a favor? Can you look at this paper and let me know what you think? That's what it is. (laughs) I know some people tweet like, I review three papers for every paper I submit. I'd be like, I would spend my graduate career just reviewing papers. Yeah, yeah. That's that's, that's terrible. I know, I know. And I mean, the whole subject of peer review is its own thing, right? But again, just going back to just, I think if you're able to somehow incentivize the people who don't get paid right now somewhere along the line to be like we're concerned with you know doing a good review we're concerned with the quality of this thing you know please take the time and actually like do a good job i think you would get better reviewers i think you would get i'm not sure if you would you know necessarily reject more papers but i think at the end of the day what comes out of it is just better science because let's say that even that the number of publications still remains the same. Like, it's illegal as many things published. You would at least hope that what comes out on the other end is still better science or better written. <laughs> sure, but that doesn't solve the problem of open access. The only thing that you're kind of resolving is however much money gets pocketed, right? Because what's going to happen is journals are going to justify cranking up their open access fees if they start paying reviewers they're going to be like well we're spending this much money on reviewers yeah okay, so your open access that. fees are going to be higher yeah, yeah and the people who have the grants are going to be like also the way that we give out grants that's an entire thing of its own um but it, the prices are just going to go higher yeah and then no, what? you're saying it's there- kind of like when you raise minimum wage right you raise minimum wage and then everything goes up the cost of living goes up and mm-hmm. and then it's just kind of this like yeah. race yeah, the one thing that always gets matched for inflation is open access fees. <laughs> They're not taking. No, no, no. They're way ahead of the curve. You just shoot that way out there. Also, also, there is like, okay, here's an analogy. Like, if I go to McDonald's and I pay a buck fifty for a coffee, mm-hmm. my small mammal brain can like comprehend how a buck fifty is worth this product. Yeah. But like, open access fees are just so arbitrary. Like, somebody publishes eight pages. In this journal, and it's like this costs them ten thousand USD. Yeah. Um, and so you're like, is this really worth ten thousand USD, or is the other paper beside it worth yeah. ten thousand USD? And this is more in the like eighty five hundred range. But but this is but this is the crazy part is that these journals have already decided up front that it is worth the fee, whatever fee that you were paying the ten thousand dollars, it's worth the fee. To, to do it, right? But what are you, okay, and again, like, what are you paying for? Clout, dude. Like, let's just be real. You're paying for the clout. So how is that, okay, so then again, how is that not predatory? Like, in. <laughs> yeah, no, in, I agree. I agree. In the most, like, basic sense of it. Yeah. It's kind of like when um, celebrities start, like, pitching or, like, uh, endorsing brands that, like, don't really make any sense. Remember when, like, Jamie Lee Curtis for a hot minute was like all about Activia yogurt. And she's like, Activia helps me digest my food, but I don't know. You know what I'm talking about, right? I don't know what yogurt does. I have no idea. You don't remember? Was this early 2000s? Yeah, dude. That's probably why. I just blacked that decade out. Okay, okay. Just blacked it out. But you know, like, I was like, I think back to that one, like, Kanye West interview where he's talking to, I don't know who he's talking to. It's like, I like Gaga. I like Gaga. But, like, she came up with this, you know, endorsing Polaroid. What does Gaga know about cameras? <laughs> you know? And I feel like it's kind of the same thing. It's just, like, you're just, it's just the clout, right? Like, you got published in Nature, and you get to, like, check that off your bucket list. Oh, my God. I don't even. I'm an academic celebrity. You're not. You're not. 
Wait, not not me personally. I'm I'm just saying like No, I no, I mean I don't think publishing in nature even Oh dude, I don't think but we're not the ones who get to evaluate that, right? Yeah, it's gonna fair. be We never published in nature. No, no, I mean like I mean like universities are the ones who are like, Oh, you did this thing? Good job. You get to keep your job for another three years. Oh the entire system was broken. <laughs> I feel like all of our conversations are just going to devolve into this. Like the entire system entire, is broken. I feel like there needs to be like a fast forward button where both of us are sitting there with like each a bottle of ha- half empty bottle of wine in our hands, just drunk, being like, the system is broken. We could just start adding that. Just put Bailey's in the coffee. <laughs> <laughs> My coffee is so far. I can't reach it. Oh, no. <laughs> Tragic. If you gave me uh, an open access fee, I can... Make that coffee open access for you. <laughs> I'm going to reach for it myself. But then you're going to have to pay a subscription cost. Also, here's another thing that really gets me, okay? Even if they don't charge an open access fee or an article processing charge, okay? It's just like, oh, you got in, congrats, pound back. You still got to pay like $500 for a color figure. Like, my guy, I have Microsoft <laughs> Paint. I got that for free with my computer. Why are you charging me $500? Also, like I'll go to Staples and just if if you give me a quarter for every time someone buys and reads <laughs> my article specifically, I will give uh, you a quarter to publish it in color. It's but, ridiculous. But it's also like you're not printing it. Nobody prints shit anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Ever, everything's digital. Why is it? it does it cost five hundred dollars for somebody to go through and like, like do doing fill it by color? Hand. <laughs> They're like having to look at it like, what color is this? Is Studio Ghibli <laughs> doing my figures? <laughs> Just an- a team of animators every time. Like, yeah, it's not like we have the freaking like Gutenberg press and we're just like, <laughs> we're just like making, like nature's just pumping this out manually, right? <laughs> it's a paper titled Booty, Booty, Booty Rocking Everywhere. <laughs> You're not reproducing the Bible. Like, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. No. So it's all that always gets me too. It's like, and, you know, I think not for our research, maybe, but for other research where you're looking at like slides or you're looking at, you know, graphs that have multiple bars. It's like it's not kind of necessary because our research, our research <laughs> doesn't look at any real data. <laughs> OK, I'm not trying to like crap on our research here. OK, that's that's sort of a different show. <laughs> no, but no, um, but no, like it it's important, too. It's like it contributes to the science and to be like we're going to hold every aspect of this thing hostage. OK, OK, so. Sometimes, I know this specifically for Elsevier, but like when you get an article accepted in Elsevier, okay, you, after the end, you're going through all your copyright and stuff. There's like a list of things that you can purchase, like add-ons, right? And it's, it's like, it reminds me of when you're like shopping on a website and there's like things you might also like. And like, would you like to add this to cart? And I do need like, mittens. <laughs> it's like, ooh, I didn't think that I would want my thing made available right away. But if I pay an extra $500, I can make it available online right now. It's like, I can also make this online available right now. Let me just upload it to my website or like ResearchGate. You know? Control print. Save as PDF. <laughs> Look at that. Look at it that. It's free. Do you know what it reminds me of? <laughs> Publishing now is like flying with Air Canada. You're just yeah, like, every- for an extra $5, you can get a seatbelt. <laughs> for an extra $75, there's going to be a personal flotation device underneath your seat. <laughs> This the service will not be available later. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I think I need this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's infuriating too because like I personally I don't have also I only care about it because it's me personally. <laughs> yeah, okay. But I I don't have a big lab. But and you're gonna say a big wallet. I'm like, yeah, me neither. <laughs> no, but I I don't have a big lab, and my hmm. supervisor even when they do have grants. They're not these really, really big grants that, you know, labs that do longitudinal studies get. We can't publish open access. And so I feel like I'm incredibly disadvantaged because of it. Yeah. It's like, and especially when you're in fields that aren't like biomedical sciences or whatever, where that's like very, you know, I would say foundational stuff where they're like actually needing to, to know this stuff. It's like for like social papers, humanity papers, like, dude, why would I pay $2,000 for like five people to read this? I can't even pay people to read this. Ain't nobody want to read my work. Ain't nobody want to <laughs> read your paper. <laughs> like, I already have a hard enough time getting paying people to read it, you know? So, yeah, I think you're you're totally right. It's like it disadvantages people in fields that 
traditionally don't have a lot of money. <laughs> but it's so funny, too, because you're like, well, of course, medical research needs to get out there. It's super important. But it's only important if you can pay $2,000 yeah, exactly. <laughs> How important is it, you know? <sighs> it's just like, you're just, I just imagine some doctor in like an uh, emergency medicine setting, right? And it's like, there's an experimental new treatment that we can use to save this person's life. It's like, okay, let's do it. Oh, now it's going to cost me $40 to buy this article. I'm sorry, man. You're going to die. Your doctor's just going off the abstract. <laughs> <laughs> I have a vague idea of how to do this Just thing. like the abstract and like the two figures you can preview. They're like zooming in. <laughs> Just going through the supplementary data and just being like, is there anything I can pull from this? Let's do the analysis myself. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it's but it's terrible, right? And then we kind of like, we force researchers to take any funding, any granting and putting it into open access mm -hmm. instead of putting it into other avenues, yeah. avenues for actually disseminating their research to like the public mm -hmm. because open access, oh man, like, yeah, it's openly available, but nobody understands it. Yeah. 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 Nobody understands it. I don't understand it. And some of these things are like half a step away from my field. Mm -hmm. It's not to say that open access is this like one size fits all dissemination strategy for researchers is like incredibly short sighted. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, too, one of the problems is that it kind of I feel like publishers have been doing this for a while now. But like you they, don't say. Well, <laughs> yeah. But this idea that's like it's very exclusionary and it's very like almost brand based. Like if you're not publishing with one of the you know, the major publishing houses that, and they all kind of charge subscription fees and whatnot, then it's kind of like, it's not a real journal and it's discredited. And you have a lot of like institutional journals, right? Yeah. Um, and even ones that like Ivy League schools that are just based on their specific topic or whatever, and you can publish in it, but it's still not seen as legitimate. Right. And then you get into this idea of like, you know, journal metrics and all this stuff. And almost, it's almost seems like if you have good impact factor, if you have good citation score, that is this brand. That's this like reputation that you then use and leverage to just gouge researchers for money. Like, oh, like you want to publish in, you know, these journals. Well, you know, either your article is incredible and it actually does get through and like for like, you know, BMJ or something, you don't yeah. have to pay. Or have you considered one of our sister journals, BMJ Open, where you pay 2000 USD also, plus tax, which is. <laughs> is this. Is there a luxury tax? It's like. On yeah, it's like GS. Like, I know in Australia, you have to pay like goods and services tax on academic papers. I, I made probably Canada, too. None of this is good. And it's not a service. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so it's incredible that. It, I don't know. That being said, though. There are some journals. That charge i would argue a very modest open access fee like like i guess i just want your opinion how much is enough that is reasonable to charge for an open access fee could just considering that you know there are actually costs that go into maintaining a journal and maintaining you know your editors your editorial board peer reviewers potentially if you want to compensate them what's a reasonable cost Okay, and this is the thing, and this is where, like, a few months ago, when I started getting into, like, my creative writing seriously, mm -hmm. and I started looking at literary journals that publish online, um, and I realized that a lot of them are, like, either completely volunteer-run, or they actually have full-time staff, and they pay people to publish in them, and it goes through a peer review process, like, one of the biggest science fiction journals receives over 80,000 submissions a year and they publish like less than a hundred. Mm -hmm. All of these pieces of writing go through peer review and they pay you 10 cents a word if they buy your story oh, and man. they do it. And when I posted that, a lot of people on Twitter were like, but Anna, <laughs> we need to pay editors and we need to pay like typesetters and we need to pay reviewers. First of all, we do not pay reviewers. Yeah, These journals do it. It's just that because they're independent, they don't have these profit margins that they need to meet. Yeah, And so they break even. 
they break even, they pay their editors, they they pay their typesetters, whatever, mm-hmm. and they break even and that's how they function. And they raise enough money to do that. But no, journals and these big Elsevier, they're greedy. Yeah. They have billions of dollars of profit. Yeah. And okay, so, so so one thing though, one thing though, okay. I understand the idea of like paying your your authors. Like I actually when I got into academia sort of initially in grad school, it was like what do you mean we don't get paid to publish? Like that I was know. that was very surprising to I me. Know. But then or no royalties either based on citations or anything like that. Yeah. We totally okay, first of all, yeah. introduce royalties. Okay, okay. But yeah. then um one of the things too, oh damn it, I lost my train of thought. What are we talking about? Oh <laughs> <laughs> no, but I was saying how um how you can charge less or actually oh yeah okay but the big difference here being is that with these you know these other creative sort of writing uh journals you pay to read it like like it's not just freely available like you still have to pay to read it i'm sorry i hate to break it to you but like you pay to read academic papers yeah yeah i know i know i'm I'm not saying that they're exempt from that i'm just saying with regards specifically to open access the idea is that you don't have to pay to read it right like the end goal out of this publication machine, um, publishing machine, is that you don't have to pay to read the final thing. The science is open, right? So with that, in- okay. But I can also understand the science fiction story. I can't understand whatever ninety nine percent of open access. Is. <laughs> yeah. So I guess what I'm just saying is like, with that in mind, if you're taking away some of those costs, right, from that you yeah. normally gain from people paying to read it, what is a reasonable price to charge for an article if there is even one i fundamentally believe that that nothing yeah nothing because we took a system where like researchers are doing work yeah we are producing findings that benefit in theory society as a whole or 20 other people in our field Mm -hmm. and we put it out there we are the ones producing the product we should be compensated for that, right. not the other way around. That's why the system is so backwards. It's like if everyone was like, man, I wish somebody was making shoes. Yeah. And I was like, here, I made shoes. And they're like, oh, you should pay us about $200 for us to distribute them. Yeah. You're like, but you need shoes. They're like, yeah, but we can't just like, you give shoes and sell shoes to people. Okay. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. It's backwards. Right. Boys so then, publishing. So, okay. So then <laughs> what has to change? Because let's be real. Like I'm sure there's independent journals out there that are already trying to adopt a small, right? Like a platinum open access. Yeah. Right. But I think one of the, one of the things that's harder to do when you have a journal like that is be able to basically do things that businesses do, right? Like market your journal, get your journal indexed in all these different databases, right? And pay to have it indexed there. Yeah. Have, you know, people who um, are on staff and who can like get papers back in a reasonable amount of time. Although we, we know that's not always what happens, right? <laughs> there's, okay, but there's poorly managed journals, whatever, better managed journals. I'm just like, I get what you're saying. And I think in an ideal world, that's the way it should be. But is there like a stepping stone sort of middle here that we can move to or like, or what's going to happen? Like if we don't do this, are we I just going to go to collapse? Like, I mean, you know, my theories about this, I think the academy as it exists now is yeah. not going to exist in 50 years. Yeah. And I really, really hope that it doesn't because I don't think, I think we took this idea about what the academy was going to be mm-hmm. how it was going to be this hub for intellectual creativity yeah. and a, a place where we kind of push each other and support each other in our own academic and intellectual pursuits. And then it turned into business. And I think now it's getting so, so big that mm-hmm. even Elsevier is not going to be able to control it. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like there's a bit of a bubble, isn't there? Yeah. You know, it's like as soon as, as soon as, the scientists just stop caring about like if, if every researcher out there was just one day like, you know what? We actually don't care about which journal we get published in or or was more just like, 
the journal itself doesn't matter. As long as you have it peer-reviewed and you have evidence of it being peer-reviewed, it's, yeah. it counts as a metric. Universities will recognize it and, you know, employers will recognize it. It's just like as long as it's out there and it's been peer-reviewed, it's fine. How would journals survive? They wouldn't. And that's why, like, journal metrics and things like open access and demonstrating, demonstrating, quote-unquote, that open access gets you more citations. Mm-hmm keeps us in this loop there's the meme of lord farquaad from shrek it's like oh look the worker has fallen in love with the system that oppresses them (laughs) yeah exactly and that's us right because we have this like carrot in front of us and we're like oh metrics right Mm -hmm. but we're also like kind of understanding that metrics are completely arbitrary and who the hell cares Mm -hmm. and so i think once we get to that threshold where academics are just so sick of it that they're going to give up on the metrics. Mm-hmm. The entire thing is going to come down like a house of cards. Hopefully I'm alive to see it. <laughs> I I want to be, I want to be the in person. academia. Sorry. In academia. No, no, I want to <laughs> be an outsider. Just- I want to be on the outside looking in, throwing in the Molotov cocktail <laughs> with like a nature printed journal just shoved inside. Viva la revolucion. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. (laughs) No, because it's not, it's, my supervisor always says, I refuse to pay for open access fees because it's knowledge and knowledge should always be free. Mm -hmm. And by participating in the system, I am inherently, I'm inherently supporting it. I'm helping it survive. Yeah. But unfortunately what that does is for people like you who like feel the same way, but really can't make any like measurable change unless you're within the system or you're one of those voices, it's stunting you. From the start. In a way. Right? But at the same time, like, we got two microphones. We got a laptop that can sort of support a Twitch stream. Oh, God. It, my, actually, my, there's smoke coming out of it. My laptop is, like, dying right now. It's making a sound. It's like a Boeing 747 <laughs> taking off. Um, but there, there are other avenues. And I think the way that academia is structured right now is we kind of almost discourage people from taking these other avenues to disseminate their work and mm-hmm. to make their voices heard. And like, don't do that. Mm-hmm. Don't stick to your lab. Don't stick to these traditional modes of publishing. Like right now it's a necessary evil. Okay, do it. Mm-hmm. Right. But then there's also all of this other stuff. I think one of the, one of the tricky things though, is that like, you know, to be successful in a traditional publishing model in academia, Right. You, you have to go through all the steps. You have to publish in all these journals, whatever. And then once you're at the position where, like, you can maybe change it or maybe voice a different, like, concern, it's – there's not really an incentive to, right? Like, you're already seeing success out of a system where you have, by all odds, against all odds, managed to succeed. Yeah. Right? Why rock the boat, I think, in many ways. Yeah. And by the time you get there, you're like, well, I made it. Mm-hmm. So it is possible. Yeah. And, like – I just my favorite thing is that graphic of the airplane with the bullet holes, right? Yeah. It's like survivor bias, yeah, survivorship bias. So yeah, it is survivorship bias, right? Yeah. And you're like, nah, you got lucky. You yeah. made it, but that doesn't mean that the system works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I totally get it. I mean, one other thing I want to mention about this too is I think that open access in a way also exists and also is perpetuated because we have gamified academia oh my god right like like the idea and this is a whole other rant in itself but the idea that we can distill our impact as researchers Mm -hmm. to a single number or that you know looking at someone as a researcher and like oh do they deserve to keep their job aka tenure well let's count the number of publications they have the content of which is almost entirely negligible the university. Like we don't care. We're not reading it. The university, like, they don't know. Yeah, they yeah. really don't. It's literally just like yeah. it would take. And I think it's one of the caveats of being in a very sort of white, white collar job, right? Is like you end up having this highly specialized skill that reasonably only you and a few others can really evaluate. And now you're being asked by a panel of your quote unquote peers who sort of know what you do. Right. To evaluate your value, your worth. Um, and the way that they do it is like, well, I also publish. I also have journals with impact factor. Yeah. And so you just end up doing that. And like, it's just 
a very inaccurate measure of yeah. anything. Yeah, but I mean, there's a bigger problem here, right? Is that we're fundamentally trying to distill the value of somebody as a specialist, as a professional, mm-hmm. and as a person down to numbers, right? Yeah. It's, it's the quantified self. Yeah, yeah. I am in graduate school because in my first year psych class, I had a really good prof. Yeah. I had a great prof who was a very good lecturer, who was critical of psychology and psychiatry, and who taught us above everything else to question authority. Mm-hmm. Not in the sense of like, I did my own research, but to look at research, add peer-reviewed research in a critical way, mm-hmm. and to tease apart the methodology and the analyses and everything else. And that's why I'm in graduate school now. And that's why I'm publishing in a completely different field. Mm-hmm. I'm publishing completely different work, but I'm here. And this person is not tenured. This mm-hmm. person is not in academia anymore. And I wonder how many other graduate students, how many other researchers have come out of that class who got shaped by that one person. Mm-hmm. And so to measure their impact and be like, oh, they're a failed researcher. They yeah, because they ten- didn't publish this much or they didn't do they, this much. Yeah, yeah they, they left did, academia. They didn't get tenure. They left. Yeah. They couldn't make it. It's like, or maybe they had more impact yeah. on science, on research, yeah. on the landscape of academia, yeah. more so than a person who published 100 papers during their graduate school career. Yeah. Because they actually put in the effort to talk to their students yeah. and to give them a different perspective. Like, how do you measure that, right? Yeah, yeah, seriously, how can you, right? Like, it's, I mean, I think to a certain extent, you could say, oh, well, you know, if they go on to do graduate school and they work with you and they're on papers, then like, maybe. But again, I totally agree. It's like, at the end of the day, the metrics that we use for success in academia are just not, not good. No. And I think because we are so obsessed with them, because we gamify them, it's allowed this sort of open access environment, which is, again, becoming more and more prevalent, like more journals are turning to open access only. And and it's frustrating because if you don't have the money, you are running out of places. Yeah, it's pay to play. Academia is very public. much pay to play. It is. An, it's an MLM. <laughs> classic MLM, classic taste yeah. of a scam. And. Yeah, we're running into these issues because some of the projects that we're on are funded and we're like, okay, we can scrape together a couple thousand of dollars. Yeah. Um, but other ones are not. And we're like, here's this journal that our work would fit into so, so well. Yeah. And we just don't have the money. Yeah. And granted, some some journals will either reduce the fee or waive the fee yeah. um, if you can't pay it. But a lot of them don't. Yeah, and I think too, like I remember reading this story, a uh, sort of confession that was submitted, and it was saying basically how like one of the professors, this grad student works the professor, and they were very successful. They had a lot of grants, whatever, and they were, you know, had lots of money. And then this other professor, um, sorry, this other professor that the grad student worked with was really poor, like they, not poor, but they didn't have any funding for their projects. Yeah, and so the kind of research that they were able to do. Versus the research that they could have done is very different. But importantly, they had funding before. They just weren't able to secure it again. And so it's almost this like constant thing of like, if you don't keep getting funding, you're going to you're gonna be in a hole that you can't get out of. Because now this person can't publish in higher impact journals. This person doesn't have the money to get more whatever or even pay more grad students, right? I know. And so, you know, in a way it's like, yeah, it's just very much a system that favors, quote unquote, the rich and the successful. I mean, but you have to like, again, how do you become successful? Am, am I not like, am I not working as hard as somebody who's from a big lab and mm-hmm. just have the, they come into a well-funded lab and they have an operational grant and mm-hmm. they have these big government grants. Mm-hmm. I do a different kind of research. Yeah. So then, so then what you're doing is like, well, if you wanted the money, go research this thing. You're like, okay, so then now we're not researching what needs to be researched. We're researching what's going to get you the money. And that becomes its own circle jerk. Yeah. And that's why the humanities are dying. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, It's like we're basically pitting inherently different fields against each other. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. And also too, the idea of open access, you know, based off of like, 
journal requirements, right? Like a lot of I know a lot of humanities work, their papers are long. Their papers yeah. are like because you're you're essentially creating an argument for something, right? Or yeah. you're trying to really demonstrate a certain point of view. Versus a lot of biomedical papers are just like easy. Like <laughs> rationale is like a paragraph, two paragraphs. And you have your purpose and you have your methods, which are like, whatever, a couple more paragraphs. Or better yet, medical journals, case study, case study, case study. Yeah, right. I'm like, that is one person. That is not fair. You <laughs> ran into this one weirdo in the hallway and yeah. you get to publish in BMJ. Yeah. Like, no. Unfair. Unfair. Yeah, yeah definitely. Definitely. So, you know, in sum, I just think that open access is, I think the spirit of it was well-intentioned. But just with the current environment of academia, like it's become something that we are just we're taking advantage of academics. We're taking advantage of people who are providing a product and paying to have their product put on shelves. Just like with everything else in North America, we like we had this great idea and then we made a monstrosity out of it. Yeah. And now we're like, we can contain it. And everyone's like, can we fire? <laughs> and it's not dying. Yeah. Because it's radioactive and it's 20 feet tall. So I guess final question. With nature, nature's obviously received a lot of backlash for basic, and a lot of memes for setting their $10,000, you know, open access charge. <gasps> As you see it now. I had an idea. Nature is basically supreme. Oh, okay. the brand. <laughs> it's all. No, they, absolutely. Like, it goes back to what we were saying. It's brands. It's clout, right? Like, like, do you think the memeing is it's gonna help it's only gonna help huh okay well i was gonna say like do you see it being something that sticks do you see it getting oh and like other journals following suit 100 100 yes because it is the reason why gucci and chanel and all of these other brands their shit never goes on sale Mm -hmm. and their stuff never trickles down to like department stores it Mm -hmm. gets destroyed Mm -hmm. because there is the element of exclusivity and that's why i said nature is supreme it's not a better product Mm -hmm. but because there's a limited quantity of it people are willing to line up and pre-order and i honestly actually i have no idea how supreme works (laughs) i just know i just know a lot of exchange students have like those stickers on their cars (laughs) but like not even a product it's a sticker it's a sticker but like I think it's going to stick like a sticker Um, because there's the element of exclusivity and the people who are paying that they're like, you know, nature is going to be like only this many people Mm -hmm. like are publishing in this journal, which means like, look at how rigorous it is. They're going to frame it as a matter of rigor, not a matter of having to pay $10,000. Yeah. And we will all believe it and we will all fall in line. We will pay the $10,000. Because, I mean, who wouldn't, who's going to pass up an opportunity to publish in Nature? Exactly. Yeah. Kind of depressing. On that note. Anyway, <laughs> thanks for listening in. I'm Dr. Yoa Sway. This has been my co-host, Honest Sway. <laughs> and this has been our first foray into Twitch. This is our first Sunday service. I hope that you will join us next time. Uh, every other Sunday. Every other Sunday. I can't do this. I actually had to put on makeup because I am so pale that the lights <laughs> make my skin look translucent. It's true.